0: All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show, episode four sixty six of the podcast four sixty six. Welcome to BD four. Going over this this last Knicks game, um, you know they did it again. Um, so we'll, we'll discuss it against the Raptors at the Garden um, on MLK Day yesterday. As I'm recording, it's January 17th. That should be the day this episode comes out as well. The night of January 17th is when this uh, this episode should drop. I did miss the game before that. Um, Jesus, I don't even... Jesus, who was that? Um, wasn't the Wizards. It was between the Raptors and the Wizards game. Whoever that was... I'm, I'm, my memory is, is just dog shit um i was not able to do that episode that was the day of the giants game so like i was i had some people over and i watched the game but not good enough to where i I could recorded an episode about it and i was also busy so we're back here in 466 talking Knicks. let's get into it hope you enjoy the show welcome to bd4 An RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, turning, looking, see ya, Anthony for three. Bang! that one goes down, and the game is it tied. Is time penetrate, creates, and shows sure, some dexterity as well with the left no! hand. All right, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for stopping by. Episode 466 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to or maybe watching another episode of BD4. Welcome to the show. Um, Now, if you are watching the video format of this podcast, and I happen to look up uh, every here and there, that's just because I'm watching this um, Milwaukee Bucks-Toronto Raptors game. Um, so if I'm looking up here and there, that's, that's, that's why it's a good game. It's a tight game enter the fourth quarter. Um, fourth quarter. Yeah. It is, um, geez, Brooke Lopez apparently plays defense. Like he's having a hell of a year defensively. And I, I didn't know that he was, was he always a good defender? But apparently he's playing good defense this year, and people are talking about him as a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. It's the middle of the third. Middle of the third quarter, 85-82 bucks are up. Um, you know This weekend was fun, man. This past weekend was good. Uh, the Giants picked up a big victory, obviously. Uh, that was a good game, man. Um, they needed that. A lot of people you know, were confident that the Giants could beat the uh, Minnesota Vikings. I don't think a lot of people were too worried about it. Uh, You know, many were right that the Vikings, I guess they were overrated after all. Their defense couldn't stop the Giants, especially in that first half. Um, Saquon Barkley was incredible in that first half. Thought he should have got some more carries in the second half, but good game. Giants' offense looked good. Their defense did the job. Um, The officiating was interesting, but who cares? Never going to complain about that. Um, it was thrilling. It was fun. And I had a good time with uh, friends and family watching that. And you know what I watched last night? And I hope you do too. Because I recommend it. And you know, we're always recommending shows on the show here. The Last of Us? Dude. Um, if you have no idea what that is. Um, it's, it's, it's a zombie it's, uh, it was originally a video game, but now they're making an adaptation into it, and they're making it a show. It's another one of those zombie apocalypse shows, and I, I can't get enough of that stuff. I'm into it, and I know a lot of America is. Um, and a lot of people are hyping this thing up. A lot of people are hoping that it can be, like, the new Walking Dead, or what the Walking Dead couldn't exactly live up to in the end. And man, does it show some promise! And the uh, the first episode aired last night on HBO, and it set the scene with some great opening scenes. Um, like, so you start in this 1968 time setting, where they're just showing us a quick excerpt of like some scientist and doctor, a couple of them on this talk show. And the scientist is, is informing us about fungi and how he's not worried about a global pandemic, but he's worried about fungi and what can happen with fungus and like climate change when the weather gets warmer and shit. I don't, I'm not, obviously I'm not versed in that shit, but basically just very chilling because his one of his final lines was, well, if that happens, then we lose. And then the talk show host is just... You can see it in his face. It's just a very chilling opening scene. Just foreshadowing... You know, what they're going to set us up with. And then... You get the... Second time setting. 35 years later. In 2003. Where our main character. um, The dude... uh, Pedro Pascal. I believe his name is. The actor. He's playing... As some guy, Joel, um, you know, does like blue collar work and he's living with his adopted daughter and his brother. Uh, They're they're living in Austin, Texas together. So they set us up and you could see throughout the setup that they're slowly hinting that that it's coming. This virus, it's like a it's like kind of like a calm before the storm type of thing. Like, it's a nice, quiet, sunny day in Austin. Typical, you know, average day. The, the daughter goes to school. Guy goes to work. Right? But the you, you kind of slowly get the hints. You get the reports on the radio in the morning when they're eating breakfast. Um, I believe, like, just other people are just very subtly coughing in the background. You get, you know, mentions of, of accidents on the road from the daughter then you see the planes go over their house. The whole scene when the daughter goes to the neighbor's house and the old lady, you could see out of focus, but in the background is just like creepy as hell. She's twitching. She starts opening her mouth and you can see she's starting to turn and she's one of the first few infected that we see. And they, they just, you know, they just start showing you slowly that it's happening. It's insane. And then it happens. Overnight, it's like 2 in the morning. The daughter wakes up and stuff's going on. You know? And it's just chaos. She goes over. That's how she discovers the grandma, um, the neighbor. She's like eating a person. And it gets crazy. And I always love seeing like zombie shows and films when the outbreak first happens. I I like that part of it. And um, they did it perfectly. Anyways, it's just, it's complete chaos. It's dark outside when it happens. They're trying to get to some river across from the golf course. So they're trying to find a pathway where nobody else is. Vehicles are exploding. These zombies or whatever we're supposed to call them, they're just creepy as hell. They're not walking. They're, They're sprinting. They're jumping at you. Diving and, and they're coming for you. And they got shit coming out their mouth. It's really ugly looking. And then eventually. The three of them. They get caught by this, uh, this soldier. Um, and he shoots them. While they're on the run. Because you, you, you can't risk it and everything. He's trigger happy. And he shoots them. The daughter dies. It's very sad. It's a very emotional scene. All that stuff. And then suddenly we cut. And I just spit 20 years later, we go to present day, present day in 2023. So here we are, we got our story in the second portion of the episode. It's definitely slower, but it's a good setup. It's a good start. So it's Boston 2023. You got your main character. He's, he's out there 20 years later. You see him hustling, doing odd jobs for this I guess corporation called Fedra. Um you know, he's doing jobs for them and he's kind of selling hard drugs on the side, which is funny or interesting. I shouldn't say funny because the daughter kind of joked about that herself in the uh, in the o- 03 timeline. But he's, you know, he's getting by. He's living with his girlfriend or wife, whatever she is to him. Um and they're just trying to get money to buy this battery back. They need a battery for their truck so they can reunite with Joel's brother from earlier in the episode, right? The guy we were introduced to, Tommy. So they're trying to, they're on that storyline. And then they introduce us to Ellie, who's going to be the other main character eventually, right next to Pedro, uh, Pedro Pascal's Joel. Um, She's this teenage chick. I, she's being held captive by this group called Fireflies. I guess they're like the resistance against uh, the FEDRA group. Who is just, you know, shooting people willy-nilly. And she's important because she's like the la- She's supposed to be the last hope to survive this infection. Um, like she can't... For, she's not like affected by it. So... You know while we're looking for our battery that that's how we run into Ellie. Um, and and the firefighter people tell us that, excuse me, that Joel and his girlfriend have to move Ellie to the safe house because they couldn't do it for some reason. I forget why. So they leave with her and they begin their quest. And that's kind of towards the end of the show. Um, but like right after they leave, I guess Joel communicates with Tommy through the radio coding with different songs of different time periods. That's how he's been communicating. And right after they leave, one of the songs that plays on the radio is this '80s song, which is supposed to indicate trouble everywhere. It's dangerous. Um, so that's, I guess what we're eventually going to find out. They're going to find out um, that you know it's a hell storm out there and it's going to open up a whole can of worms and, they already killed a guy, they, they killed a soldier, Joel killed him, um, who we saw him deal drugs with earlier in the show. They ran into him trying to escape the quarantine zone, so it's it's going to be nuts. It's going to be awesome, I'm very into it already, um, and I do like how they didn't just drop all the episodes, It's I believe it's going to be a week to week thing, which is good. It's old school TV, that's how it was when I grew up. Alright, all you Zoom boys growing up with this streaming shit, get your shows all at once, that kills the fun. Um, The anticipation is part of it. Um, So I'm going to watch it week by week, hoping it can kind of be what I hope The Walking Dead would end up being. But yeah, I also, I I barely played, like back when I was in high school, The uh, Last of Us video game came out. Maybe 2013 or something like that. I barely played maybe like the opening stages of it. Um, so I don't remember anything you know I just I don't even know if I got far. I just maybe not even like ten percent into the game so I don't remember anything about it and I'm kind of glad that I'm going into this pretty blind, you know because in my opinion that's gonna make it more exciting, not knowing what's ahead and I'm sure it'll change a little bit but um, I've also heard people are saying that it's like an epic adaptation already and that some scenes are like... precisely the same as the video game scenes, which is cool. Like, literally to a T, with some of the mannerisms and gestures from the extras and the clothes. It's pretty pretty cool to hear that. Uh, But yeah, the acting was phenomenal. And it's got Game of Thrones characters, the two main characters from Game of Thrones. Uh, Bella Ramsey, she plays Ellie. Uh, She was uh, the little Mormont girl in Game of Thrones, Mormont. Jorah Mormons, whatever. Uh, Lyanna, I think her name was, and then uh, Pascal, he played in Game of Thrones as the the funny dude who fought the mountain, and he got too cocky at the end, and he was just bludgeoned to death. So forget what he—I forget who he was, or which family. But um, yeah, she was the Mormont chick, and then he was uh, was he? I don't know. I forget. I don't know what high tower. No, but yeah, it's it's cool, dude. And I'm into it. Uh, but hey, we're, we're here to talk Nick's. So, um, you know, hopefully, I didn't just waste your time there. But as you know, there are uh, timestamps in the description of this episode. So let's talk Nick's. When we get back from break, we'll get right into it. Be right there. Stay with us. Hey, guys. So, if you are a listener of the podcast often, And you want to know where to find me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at BD4, you can find me on Twitter at BD4 Pod, and you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. All right. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode four sixty six of the podcast. Welcome. So, the Knicks last night, uh, they blew it late in overtime against the Raptors. Um, 120. I'm sorry. I don't have that right here. Put the wrong score up on the screen if you're watching the video format. 121 to 123 in the Raptors' favor. So, that was the score of this game. 121 to 123. uh, 123 to 123. 123 me uh 123 121 the Raptors beat the Knicks the Knicks are losing a tough one at home and they fall to a pretty pathetic 11 and 12 at the garden that's kind of annoying um, of the 20 NBA teams who have who are so far in play in or better position the Knicks are the only team who are below 500 at home so it's Madison Square Garden you got to show up there um, but I just, you know, at the end of the day, it's, they're exceeding expectations overall. So, but it was a tough, slow, very slow, gritty physical game, a lot of fouling, um, neither team shot the ball particularly well, a lot of, you know, points inside the paint, hustle points, a lot of, you know, free throw points. Both teams were kind of just back and forth all day. Um, you know, no team really had a, I don't know, like a legitimate lead. Um, but you know, Brunson, Randall, R.J., some early baskets in the first quarter each. Come the second quarter, the Knicks kind of falling flat and then giving up some easy inside looks. To Barnes, Siakam, each of them had over 20 points. Uh, the Raptors were also just contesting the Knicks shots pretty well in the second. Brunson and RJ get hot towards the end of the period, enter in halftime. They help put the Knicks up three, 59-56. Uh, out of the break, you get Brunson and RJ again. This time they start getting into the paint and attacking the smaller defenders on Toronto. Van Vliet keeps them afloat, though, with a couple of threes. Raptors staying around, sticking around, but in the fourth quarter, I thought the ball movement looked excellent to start. Knicks kind of get hot. 6-0 run to start the period. They go up 10 points with 9 minutes left in the game. They go up 9 points with about 5.5 left after the Mitchell Robinson slam. But, you know, some tough fouls, some free throws, a floater by Siakam. Uh, big baskets from Barnes Van Vliet who had 33 helps climb the Raptors back into this game but um, towards the end Barnes Scotty Barnes after he sinks a bunch of free throws in the final minutes misses a pretty big one in the final seconds I think there was like 6 or 7 seconds to go he misses a big free throw RJ grabs the board RJ goes coast to coast and he throws down a game-saving dunk in the final seconds of the game to tie the game. And then uh, it was amazing. And then with .6 left on the clock, barely enough time for the Raptors to get a catch-and-shoot off. They inbound the ball, but it's Randall who makes a very nice deflection Uh To just poke the ball out and officially send the Knicks to overtime. Uh, But in overtime, the Knicks just with no rhythm, no true offense out there, they fold and come up short. Um, And, of course, Brunson gets that one final look, running the floor, pulls up for a three, solid look, comes up short. Um, So, yeah, another blown lead. This one not as drastic, but still a blown lead. Some missed free throws once again, late fourth quarter. Randall and Brunson both late in the fourth. The final minute, they each missed a free throw. Um, And then, again, a big-time miss. Big-time miss at the end of the OT period by Jalen Brunson for that three. And he's now one for seven in the last ten seconds of a three-point game. So, take that as you may. Um, And I want to start with Jalen Brunson because I thought overall... Jalen Brunson yesterday, he had a very uncharacteristic, inefficient game. Um, I did not love what I saw from him. Um, you know, you look at the stats, 29 shots versus 26 points, as well as two assists versus four turnovers. I mean, that's got to be, like, like. I'm serious when I say this, He's played forty something games. That's gotta be the very first game ever as a Nick from Brunson where he's had both more shots than points and turnovers than assists in a game. It's gotta be the first time. Um, because he, he was awful in that aspect. You know, and he's usually struggling against Toronto. They give him trouble. You know, I, I think it's because their length and their physicality so it's more difficult for him to finish in the paint like he usually does. Um, and he was just a little too ISO heavy the other, uh, yesterday. Too much isolation. And, you know, with him shooting only 38% on the game, it kind of had everybody else going ISO too. And it just, it just wasn't a good look. And then he, of course, you know, choked at the free throw line. Choked at the overtime for three. But that's whatever. You know, uh, he hasn't really knocked those down all year. Um, To me, it was just the inefficiency overall, and not really be being more willing to pass. Um, You know, I'm not gonna nitpick because this is a guy who has been near perfect for the Knicks, and um, he's been their best player. He's been their leader. It's just a rare bad game. Um, So whatever. That's that's Jalen Brunson who cares. He had a bad game. Uh, I, I do wish he started making those final shots, but you know we we we, we got to live with that. Um, Julius Randall 21 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists. Near triple double. hit a steal, three turnovers, shot 7 of 20, 1 of 6 from 3 and 6 of 9 at the stripe. Uh, but first off, yeah, the rebounding has been incredible I mean I, he he's looking uh, he's looking like Prime Andre Drummond out there with these numbers he's just just grabbing boards the last time Julius had less than 15 rebounds in a game was six games ago on January 6th against Toronto he's averaging 15 boards a game in his last 11. Each of them have been double-doubles. And he's averaging 13 boards a game in his last 21. He is on fire when it comes to crashing the glass. And that's effort. The effort has been incredible on both sides of the glass. The offensive rebounds have been there just absolutely robust. And the effort on defense as a whole was good last night. You know he made some nice switches. Uh, he did miss a few rotations. You know some more that he has recently, but I thought he played good defense. And again, that deflection towards the end of regulation was 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 good. Um, offensively he definitely struggled. He started off pretty well, three point ball, and he had a couple more dunks again. He's been throwing it down lately, but then he started struggling second half. Toronto was throwing the zone out there at the Knicks. They couldn't figure that out. Uh, but they were also just throwing multiple doubles at Julius very frequently in the second half. And I was getting mad at it because he couldn't get any shots off from my parlay. But he finally got it in overtime. The 20 points that I needed. Um, so he want 3 for 12 with 9 points in the second half including the overtime period. But um yeah, but both he and Brunson definitely cooled off down the stretch. And, you know, is it Thibodeau's fault for running these guys heavy minutes? Both games of a back-to-back? You know, I I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think you can make a case that he should probably, you know, lighten the load. But I also think that's just part of being an NBA player. And these are young guys. The Knicks don't have a guy over 30 out there. It's the NBA. It's overtime. You know, there will be trials and tribulations. You're going to be fatigued. You know, if the Knicks had more depth on the bench, maybe Tibbs would trust them. Right? But this time I can't blame Tibbs because the Knicks don't have much of a bench outside of quickly. It's pretty dog water. Like, I... I, I, (sighs) I will say, alright, Tibbs wasn't perfect yesterday and I thought, I definitely thought Emmanuel quickly, despite the foul trouble, should have gotten more than 21 minutes in this game. Um, I definitely thought Quentin Grimes should have gotten more looks than the five field goal attempts he had in nearly 40 minutes of action. He scored 10 points on 3 of 5 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3, 7 boards, 2 dimes, a steal, a block. He played really well. Um, He attacked the paint a few times and knocked down a couple three-balls. But the ISO-heavy offense took away Grimes' reps. I don't know why they didn't give it to him. I just don't think it's very acceptable for an offense who can't shoot well and shot 29% on the night from three or the afternoon to give their best three-point shooter... Four looks from outside the arc and five looks total in a game that goes to overtime. Like, why? why not feed him? You know, you're three for five. Double that. Give him more looks. He's your best three-point shooter. You lost the game by a couple points. So, I didn't like that. You know, I think sometimes we run offense and it's just way too much one-on-one. You know, in games where Brunson is off, like yesterday, it's going to look especially ugly. Because he's an ISO guy, Brunson, let's be honest. But he's usually very efficient at it. Um, And I also thought with Toronto in foul trouble themselves, you know, I think it was OG, uh, it was Van Vliet, Siakam. They all had a bunch of foul problems in the later two frames. The the second, uh, the third quarter, and I'm sorry, the fourth quarter in overtime. They were in some big foul trouble. I feel like Tibbs could have exploited that a lot more. You know, he could have went out at the attack the paint off the dribble. Run double screens out there. Get guys in the low post. Cut the ISO crap out once and for all. You know, when quickly it wasn't on the floor, you notice the slower pace. Move guys around weak side. And that's where you need to utilize Grimes and get him on those catch and shoots. Right? Right off that elbow that Clyde was mentioning. But, all in all, I, I, I'm I not going to totally blame Thibodeau for this game. Like, like, the internet will have you believe it's his fault every time the Knicks lose. Um, you know, I didn't think he was perfect. I didn't think this was one of his better games. Um, but I, I'm not going to totally blame him. Um... Anyways, I thought Mitchell Robinson was okay last night, yesterday. It was a 3 p.m. MLK Day game. So, I'm not used to those. Um, Mitch scored 11 points. 8 rebounds, 2 assists a block across 36 minutes. You know, the Raptors did a very nice job um, without a true big big man. They did a really nice job just throwing bodies down low and trying to keep Mitch off the defensive glass. You know, and so they were doing that well. And, you know, that small ball style also drove Mitch out the paint as he had to focus a lot of his defense closing out on the perimeter in this game. So that aided the Raptors into cleaning up those misses on the offensive glass without Mitch down there often. You know, Barnes was a big um, factor on the offensive glass for Toronto, Siakam, OG. Uh, the guy off the bench, Chris Boucher. They all did a fair share of their damage on there. Um, but I thought offensively, Mitch Robinson was very good. Scoring more often than he usually does. bringing in high energy with those dunks. Uh, he was running the floor noticeably well, rim to rim. Five offensive rebounds to keep the Knicks alive on these possessions. So, he was good. Um, Obi Toppin, if you go to the bench, I'm kind of just jumping around here. Five points of the first half, uh, a three ball, and a fast break dunk slam, slam dunk. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but nothing after. Um, just four minutes in the entire second half. I'm hoping he finds it sooner rather than later, and Thibodeau extends his minutes a little more. This way, you know, Randall isn't so gassed at the end of these games. Maybe that can help. I don't know. Um, but one of the positives of the night, the probably the most effective player for the Knicks on the team last night was R.J. Barrett. Bing, bang, And R.J. gets a game ball from me. That's his sixth of the year. 32 points, seven rebounds, a couple assists, three turnovers, and he played 49 minutes. Um, he shot 10 out of 23. from 3. Slow first half, but he had a big time second half where he scored 22 and he shot 7-12. Came out the gate very strong in the third quarter. Knocked down some big free throws in the second half. And of course, again, the coast-to-coast highlight slam to force overtime, putting Barnes on a poster. That was his key play, you know. Uh, the jump shot's not there yet with him. You can see that he's still trying to find the stroke since returning from the hand injury. Uh, but he did do a nice job attacking uh, attacking switches and post-up. A lot of mismatches with Gary Trent and Van Vliet also. Um, he ended up finishing 8 of 14 inside the arc. And overall, he's been, overall, since coming back, he's been getting downhill very, very, very well. Since returning, he he's he's still playing downhill. It's just really the jump shot that's not come. Um, but it was it was really good to see him go ten of eleven from the foul line yesterday because he was struggling from there prior to. Um, and then defensively, Barnes is a tough assignment. You know, kind of RJ was kind of overmatched with that size disadvantage. Um, he's not easy to cover with the size and and the ability to move like he does. And, you know, a lot of Nick, a lot of the time, a lot of the time the Knicks were sending help. They had, they, they they sent help over to Barnes. Um, You know, we saw Grimes hedge over onto him. We saw deuce and Mitch with some last second help Uh, Randall. So he's a tough cover, but yeah, it it was a good game for RJ Barrett gets the award. Um, And as you know, Per my rule, when you do something clutch like that in the final seconds, you have a much better chance of getting the game ball. Um, so yeah, RJ was good. Um, here we go. Also, like Knicks fans, I I, I didn't want to bring this up, but like Knicks fans are crying about officiating again. I I understand. I get it. But I'm not doing that. Like I never do it. I'm not ever going to do it. The day I do, point it out to me and send it to me, clip the screen share, whatever you call it, and send it to me. Because it will be the first time in 10,000 something days I've lived on this earth that I complain about officiating. I never do and I'm tired of people who do. Like We're complaining that RJ didn't get a whistle on that slam dunk. But if the roles were reversed, and let's say Scotty Barnes did that, he dunked it, and RJ tapped him, and the refs called it, I know that 90-something percent of you would be crying and complaining about how you're not supposed to blow the whistle in the final seconds like that. You got to let that play. Right? There's always something. There was the same shit with Brunson fouling Van Vliet in the OT period, the challenge, whatever that was. Uh, it's just part of the game, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just I, I, as a sports fan, as somebody who watches a few sports, I'm tired of seeing sports fans bitch and moan about officiating, umpiring, judging. Like, it's especially bad in their sport. <laughs> and, and again, I, I say zoom out. We gotta zoom out. Because you, when you bring it up to them, If I go and tell a sports fan of a certain sport, yeah, your officials are bad. The officials are bad in all sports. They're going to tell you right back. But no, it's especially bad here with this league, with this team. Like, no, it's not. Baseball fans want robot umpires. UFC fans think something should be done because they think a fighter is getting robbed every other close fight. Basketball fans, same shit. Football, I'm sure, is the same with you people. You guys are all you're all sheep. You don't see it because you're all so fucking you're so far deep down in that anti-officiating rabbit hole. You don't see it. It's like with politics, right? Both sides, losers, absolute fucking losers. Both sides of you, because they're never just they're never going to admit which side is is right and wrong. They're never going to admit when their side is wrong. It's just like these stupid people blaming officials all the time. That's how sports work. We're always going to complain about it. But at the end of the day, it's never going to be the reason you lose a game. Um, Back to some positive. Emmanuel quickly, I thought, played a good game yesterday. That's why he's getting the game ball off the bench. Bing, um, quickly, against the Raptors, 14 points, 3-7 shooting, shot 2-3 inside the arc, 7-7 seven seven at the line with a block. He had some open lanes yesterday. Took advantage with defenders closing out too much, too hard. Worried about his three-point shot. A few nice drives. A couple nice finishes. Drew contact frequently. Again, the foul trouble. The five fouls were unfortunate, but, again, I still thought he should have played a little more. Um, and that's, that's quickly his day right there. Anyways, that's it. It was it, the Knicks loose. Um Tough, bad loss, whatever. Got to bounce back and beat the Washington Wizards tomorrow, um, which I think is at the Garden. And again, during this five-game stretch we've been on, I said before, two games ago, I said, the Knicks should take three, preferably four, of these games, right? And I called that they would lose at least one of the Toronto games. We have one more coming up. But... We defeated Detroit and lost to Toronto so far. So, we're and one We've got Washington, Atlanta, and Toronto up next. So, you hope that you can beat two of those three. At the absolute worst. Right? So, that's it. We'll have to break. Get back. Wrap this shit up with the question of the day. And then, um... Maybe we'll run through our parlay that we had for this game too. Stay with us. We will be right back. BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you do there, be sure to give us a 5-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify. But you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. We also have a website now for BD4. If you go to bd4blog.com, you can find the blog, the podcast links, and also where to find me on social media. Just go to bd4blog.com. Alright, welcome back to the show. Let's get to our trivia question of the day. Alright, so for this episode, episode 466 our NYY, NYK, MMA trivia question of the day is Hall of Famer Phil Jackson had a 12 season NBA career. In how many of them did he play for teams other than the Knicks? All right, Hall of Famer Phil Jackson had a 12-season NBA career. And how many of them did he play for teams other than the Knicks? So let me know the answer wherever you can reach me if you get the answer correct. I'll give you a shout-out in the next episode. One last time, Hall of Famer Phil Jackson had a 12-season NBA career. In how many of them did he play for teams other than the Knicks? Alright, so that's our trivia. We'll wrap it up this time with our uh, parlay. Usually we go the other order, but let's get to our tri- uh, Let's talk about this parlay. We had two. Alright, welcome to RJ's parlay, where my degenerate self breaks down tonight's big parlay. If I miss, it's not surprising. If I hit, I'll probably lose it all tomorrow night, because that's how this works. Welcome to RJ's parlay. So our first parlay the other day was a five-pick parlay. It was boosted, so the odds went to plus three fifty-seven. And we cashed. We absolutely cashed in overtime. It took all five periods to cash it, but we did. We had the over, the alternate over. It was one of the alternative over unders. I had over two oh eight and a half on the nick game. I had Brunson for thirty plus points, rebounds, assists. I had RJ for twenty-five plus points, rebounds, assists, Grimes for 12 plus points, rebounds, assists, and then I had Randall for 20 plus points and we went five for five. So we cashed our plus three fifty-seven. It took Randall till the very last minutes of overtime. I was on the edge of my seat cause it was big money for me. It was a decent, decent, a decent wager. And he just got it. Those doubles were killing me, man. I'm telling you. Um, and our second parlay was on. Whoops, whoops. See if we can get to it here. Was on the, um, the 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 Monday Night Football game, the Monday Night Football game, the playoff game between the Cowboys and the Bucks, which ended up being a disaster um, for the Bucks. Uh, actually, I think it was closer towards the end. I don't know. I didn't watch it. I just had money on it. Um, I had a two pick one. I had the spread and the over. Um, I had the over. Was, uh, it was 45 and a half for that game. I'm not sure that that hit. Um, and then the Tampa Bay plus two and a half spread did not hit. So I might have went over two um, on a plus 280 two picker. But that's it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for stopping by. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, RJ. going to go watch the rest of this uh, Bucks-Raptors game, and then I'll see what's I wonder what the second game is. Um, no, I can't see. It. I'm gonna look it up. If it's a good game, I'll watch it. Second game. Oh, it's 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 Sixers Clippers. Maybe I'll watch that. All right, guys. Thank you, and I'll see you in four sixty seven. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.